Welcome to the Sports Spectrum Podcast, where faith and sports collide. Here's your host, Jason Romano. And this is episode number 58 of the Sports Spectrum Podcast. Welcome everyone to the show. My name is Jason Romano, and it is great to talk to Eagles tight end Trey Burton on today's podcast. The Eagles riding high at 9-1 currently, best record in the NFL. And Trey, of course, played his college ball at the University of Florida. Once scored six touchdowns in a game. That's something we can talk about later. Played quarterback in high school, but now tight end in the NFL. And we welcome Trey to the podcast. Trey, how you doing, man? Oh, doing well, bro. Thanks for having me. It is great to talk to you, and it's nice to to see success on the field, not just God doing some great things off the field with you, but... Man, you guys are are rolling. This is we're taping this on November twenty first, and the Eagles stand at nine and one, best record in the NFL. How much fun has has this season been for you guys? Man, it's been great. You know, uh, this is my fourth year here in Philly, and uh, you know we've kind of taken our lumps and our bruises. You know, the first three years, and now finally, you know, learning from a lot of our mistakes, and you know, constantly just trying to get better. Um, it's a lot of fun, you know, to to win and. Uh, my old college coach, Will Muschamp, would always say the fun is in winning. So uh, you can say we're having a good time. Well, for me, I know from my time at ESPN, the best interviews we've done were always the ones talking to the guys after a win or when their team is playing well. It's never fun to have to do interviews when you're when you're losing. And you guys have won a lot this year, 9-1. and one. And I just wonder, aside from the record, obviously, how is this year different? say, compared to last year and the last few years that you've been with the Eagles? Yeah, you know, I can't necessarily say that, you know, the, the locker room's that much different. Uh, I feel like my whole time, my, my four years here in Philly, the, the locker room's been great. You know, I couldn't have asked for a better team to be on. Um, but I think, you know, this the, the ball's bouncing our way a lot. Um, you know, anytime you um, are doing well in the league, you know, certain things have to go your way. And so uh, we're getting some calls. You know, we're, we're obviously we're playing and executing at a really high level, um, and that that also helps as well. But uh, we have great great leaders. You know, in Carson and um, you know J- Malcolm Jenkins on the defense side of the ball, and uh, we're just you know, just got to keep it rolling. It really is a game of inches, isn't it? Because I've seen teams in the NFL finish four and twelve, and you look at their record, and if four or five of those games go one play or two plays in their favor versus the other way. They're a nine and seven, ten and six team. Do you see yeah. that? Like it's literally one or two plays a game. Oh no doubt. I mean, we had three or four games last year. You know that were the last possession of the game. You know, if we were able to score, if we were able to get a stop, we would have won. And uh, you know, the, we lost those games last year, and we're winning them this year. So I mean, something as simple as that. You know, obviously, um, we're getting we're getting some unbelievable play calls on and scheming guys up really, really well. And, uh, just everything's clicking, you know, and everybody uh, has one goal. And, you know, it's not always like that. Not everybody's in it to win it. And um, we, we have a bunch of guys who are unselfish and um, maybe playing less or getting less touches or less carries or, you know, whatever that may be. But they're sacrificing to win, and that's, you know, what it takes. Yeah, and you guys have, have had a lot of injuries. There's been talk about other teams dealing with injuries. And yeah. it's not like you guys have been the same exact team from week one. You dealt with a lot of injuries to a lot of key players, a lot of really good players, and it's – it's literally next man up, and the next guy who's come in has stepped up and performed. Yeah, yeah, and guys are really embracing their roles. Like you said, four of our, you know, I would say are some of our best players. Jason Peters, you know, Hall of Fame left tackle. You got our best special teams player, Marigos, our starting linebacker, one of our best defensive players, you know. Uh, and obviously Darren Sproles, who's another Hall of Famer, two Hall of Famers that are out, and it's not – you know, a normal team would be tough to overcome that, but we've just had guys step in and 
um, embrace it and uh, just everybody being opening and wel- welcoming to the new guys and it's just been fun. The Eagles fans are crazy, by the way. My brother is a gigantic Nuts. Eagles fan. I've never heard of a gi- I never heard of a gigantic Eagles fan before well, in my entire life. They're just Eagles fan, right? And yeah. it's gigantic <laughs> or not. But he he's been a fan since the Jaworski days. So we're going okay. way back. Yeah. And we saw a video, we were watching it, he sent it to me on social media of the Eagles fans at AT&T Stadium, which yeah. blew me away because Dallas has a very large fan base as well. And those guys, those those fans are crazy. What's it like to play for those Eagles fans? Uh, when you're winning, it's a lot more fun. I can tell you that. <laughs> we, uh, I remember my first of all, every time I meet an Eagles fan, they say I'm the biggest Eagles Eagles fan ever. So <laughs> I, always, I always tell them I've never heard of that before. But uh, I remember my my rookie year, uh, we were playing Jacksonville Week One of the season, and I think we went down 17-0 at halftime. And when we were running in the tu- in the tunnel, this is week one now. Mm-hmm. We're running in- into the tunnel. We're getting booed and throw- stuff thrown at us, and people are <laughs> you know cussing us out and saying crazy stuff to us, and it was absolutely wild. And so that that was like the first Philly fan experience that I got to have. Uh, but yeah, when you're when you're winning, you know, there's nothing like it, uh, and and they're they're a joy to be around. And I mean, they're they're everywhere, bro. They really are. They show up away games and obviously home games. They they're uh, they're they're there too. We're talking to Trey Burton here, the Eagles tight end on the Sports Spectrum podcast. Trey, I want to talk about your faith. Sports Spectrum, obviously the intersection of sports and faith. Your faith in Christ is strong. And I want, we're going to talk about some of the cool things that are happening with you and that have happened with your teammates in that locker room in a little bit. But I want to know, first of all, for you, where your faith, your faith walk began, your journey with Christ began. Yeah, I accepted Christ at a really young age, um, but it was more of a, I want to go to heaven instead of hell acceptance and so um it wasn't until uh i got to high school i would say my sophomore year in high school i started getting mentored by the local uh fca fellowship of christian athletes um leader in my in my city and so him and i would meet uh i would say you know every every wednesday once a week in the morning before school started uh, at breakfast and he would just you know pour into me what it was what it what 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 a christian is what do christians do what do christians believe um, but at the same time that he was pouring into me and I started, you know, growing in, in Christ, uh, I was doing, I was performing really well on the field. I was a quarterback back then. Um, you know, the, the common quarterback story, you know, the, the most popular guy in the school and, and, and doing really, really well and getting, getting recruited heavily and committing to the University of Florida as a sophomore. And, you know, all these things were going on the opposite side of my faith. And so I had, you know, the worldly, worldly uh struggles and then i also had my faith uh they're they're fighting each other and so um i just remember you know falling into a lot of the worldly distractions the worldly traps um i got uh, really i grew up without a father so my my the way i coped with that was i used to like to be around women i used to like to you know watch watch porn and i used to you know i was addicted to those um two things all the way until um, I was about a junior in college, and so mm. once you get to college, you know how it is. You, like you're, it's a free for all. You don't have anybody to making sure you're in your room. Don't make, don't have anybody making sure you know that you're going to church. So, um, you know, I was, I would, I, w- I would say I was making uh, a good choice every once in a while, but the majority of my choices were bad, um, especially just because of the freedom that I had. Um, and so I was still going, you know, the, to Bible study, still, you know, going to church, but I was living you know, the, that double life of, you know, enjoying what the world has to offer um, and pushing, you know, Christ or the Lord's best for me 
um, putting that on the back burner. And so uh, it wasn't until my junior year in college when I uh, truly, you know, was done with everything that the world had to offer for me. Um, and the, the whole reason because of that was I, I walked into my girlfriend's apartment um, and she was like bawling, crying. And I'm thinking to myself like, man, I've, you know, I've, I haven't been messing around. I've been, I've been, I've been good, you know, been making the right choices. And um, she hands me a pregnancy test and she says, I'm pregnant. And, you know, that was kind of like rock bottom for me in my spiritual journey. Um, and I knew, you know, from that day on, her and I both, you know, recommitted our lives to the Lord, but then also committed our relationship to the Lord. Um, and then ever since then, you know, been growing. I married, I got married, you know, a couple months after, after, uh, after that um, and have three kids now. And, uh, and now we're, you know, in Philly for our fourth year. Why is it so important to be open and transparent with your struggles, especially as Christians, because as men, we, we tend to hide that. We tend to mask that and yeah. kind of keep it to ourselves. Why is it so important for you to be open and say, listen, I struggle with these things. I struggle with porn. You know, I struggle with lust. Why is it so important to share that story with others? I think for one of the biggest, obviously the Bible talks about confessing your sins to one another. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously that, because the Bible says that it's important. I also believe that just the, the healing process um, and just the uh, understanding that like you're not I'm not the only person in the world who struggles with porn I'm not the only I'm not the only person you know who struggled with messing around in college you know that, those are not new things if you actually are honest like a majority of the guys struggle with that so yeah. um, it's cool like to be able to be open with people about what's going on um, and also you know to have people hold you accountable because a lot of times you know depending on how strong you are mentally um, and spiritually, you know, like you won't be able to break these addictions. You won't be able to get over them by yourself. Um, and you need, you know, a, a, a buddy, uh, a partner, and then also, you know, you need the spirit also to renew you. So uh, I think th- those are, you know, some of the reasons why it's important. I was talking to one of your teammates, Chris Maragos. We had him on the podcast along Great with guy. Um, oh, Great guy. tremendous guy. And we had uh, your team pastor, your team chaplain, Ted yep. Winsley on as well. Had a great conversation with those guys back at the Increase Conference last year. And I asked Chris just about just to describe you. You know, I just said, give me something on Trey. Describe him. So when I talk to him, I can kind of have this, you know, in the back of my mind. And he said, you know, the one thing that comes to his mind is that you love the Word of God now and that you hold guys accountable, which is kind of what you just mentioned. So how do you go about ministering and discipling players on the team in the NFL now? Because what you just described, those struggles, that's in the NFL as well, if we're, if we're going to be honest here. So how do you go about discipling players, encouraging them without being overtly abrasive and driving them away uh, but also explaining to them, hey, man, this this gift, this free gift in Christ is available to you. How do you go about doing that? Yeah, I mean, great question. I would say there's a really fine line with that. Um, I would say, first off, you know, you need to be able to build a relationship with somebody um, without, with like, just being able to hang out with somebody, being able to talk to somebody, not shove the Bible down their throat. And then once you're able to you know, become friends, um, be able to hold the conversation with the, with the guy, you know, in my, in our case, the guy, um, and you kind of get to know, you know, their background, where they're from, you know, kind of like some of their thoughts, like what do they believe? 
Um, and then you, then you just start letting them know about your story. I know, I, I know, like, at least for me, if I didn't tell other guys who were believers on my team that I, I once, you know, had a real struggle with porn, I once had a real struggle with, you know, girls um, and being, you know, obedient to the Lord, then they, then they wouldn't be able to relate, relate to me. And now that I'm able to, you know, be open and honest about that and, um, and just kind of, you know, show them some ways that God has, um, has freed me from, you know, from those addictions and those, and those things that I wanted to do. Um, then, and I, I really think like, it's important to be relatable to people. And I think, you know, a lot of, a lot of times that's some of the reasons why I had to go through some of the things that I've gone through, you know, how, how, how do you really talk to somebody who, does, who grew up without a dad, if you grew up with a dad, you know? Mm. Um, and so, uh, just being relatable and then also, like, like I said, there is, there is a fine line and, there, and you have to you know, kind of gauge, you know, how serious um, that they are, you know, in, in trying to change and, you know, trying to um, seek after the Lord. But, you know, the more serious they are, then the more you know, serious you get on them and, um, and the more serious your conversations are. What about for you on the other side? So you can become a team leader, spiritual leader, that type of thing. But you also need to be discipled yourself and you also yeah. need to kind of be encouraged and be kept accountable in a very crazy world that is the NFL. How do you go about doing that? Uh, I would say just you know, a lot of the times with the uh, relationships with pastors that I've had in the past, um, you know, obviously, like you said, you talk, you got to talk to Ted. Um, we have, you know, another pastor here in New Jersey that a lot of us, you know, see and hang out with. Um, he's, he's really relatable because he played college football and he was a quarterback at Tennessee. And, you know, so he understands um, a lot of what, you know, what we go through. Um, but yeah, like I would, I would say just, you know, making sure that you have guys in your corner that you can talk to. Um, there's always, you know, going to be a time where you need to be mentored, but then there's going to be a time where you need to mentor, uh, somebody else. And so, um, just making sure that, you know, you have people you can be open with, even, even my teammates, you know, guys like Miragos, those are guys I go to, um, whenever I have a question, um, if I ever need anything, uh, spiritually and, and non-spiritually, um, and just, you know, being, it's, it's really cool to have guys like that, that I can be open to who, you know, will answer the phone whenever and, and have, have a lot of the same things I'm going with. Yeah. Let's talk about that for a minute. The core group of believers that that's on your team, that's a special thing right now. I don't think, uh, you know, you, you see that a lot around the NFL and, and Bible studies and things like that, but the Eagles seem to have something special and, you know, the Bible study magazine, uh, logos, Bible software did a, a nice feature on you guys recently. Certainly see the, the stuff you're doing with our ministry here at sports spectrum and the increase and the articles that you write all great stuff. But tell us about that dynamic and what that means to be part of, obviously, not just a great team on the field, but this solid core group of guys who love the Lord. Yeah, sweet, man. It's uh, it's kind of like, you know, we, we kind of look at it like the books, Book of Acts, you know, where guys are using their gifts to build up the church. Um, and so it's been cool to like kind of grow closer to a lot of these guys and, and be able to, you can like tell immediately you know what their gifting is and so we've just been trying to use everybody's gift that you know that's that's god given um and let them be who they are you know and and then we'll just see where you know god takes it from there um, we've had you know some really cool opportunities um we just have a lot of guys who are faithful and a lot of guys who just say yes you know to whatever the lord has called them um to do and you know even even the hard things you know like speaking to another teammate you know who know who you know is not a believer um, who you know is actually the opposite, you know, of a, of a believer. Um, those aren't easy things, you know, especially because you've got to see those guys every single day, and um, it's it's your workplace, you know, so it's never really comfortable. We have, but we have a bunch of guys, you know, who whose hearts are truly in it um, and, and truly want to, 
see a change not only in the locker room, but like big picture would be, you know, the city of Philadelphia and um, just the, the need that there is for Jesus here um, is huge. And so we're just trying to do our part. So take us to a typical week during the season. You know, right now we're talking, I think it's week 10 or week 11. It's a Tuesday. It's an off day, even though you told me you just came from the facility. So there's never really any off days. But take yeah. us to a typical week during the season with the guys and how you stay discipled off the field, because that's got to be brutally difficult when you're trying to prepare for a game and you have all these team meetings and practices and obviously and getting ready to to face your opponent and do your actual job. But sure. then you also want to stay grounded. You want to stay discipled in the word, whether it's a small group or a Bible study. What does that look like for you guys during the season? Yeah, I think one of the coolest things that we do um, is that we have a bunch of opportunities throughout the week for guys, like you said, different schedules. You know, quarterbacks are in meetings later and, you know, if guys come in early or want to get treatment or, you know, recovery, whatever that may be. So we, we do a bunch of different things. So normally um, our Monday nights, so say we're playing a normal Sunday afternoon game. Um, Monday nights is normally our couples Bible study. Um, but the cool thing about that is you don't have to be in a relationship to come to those. It's one of those things that if you are in a relationship, going to be in a relationship or want to be, you know, in a relationship, uh, you can come to it. And so, uh, we have that Monday night. It's usually at one of the guys' house and we'll, you know, cater, one of the guys will cater food in for the week and, um, to feed everybody for dinner. And then we'll go Thursday night at the team facility. We do our weekly team Bible study where Ted will come in and um, and we're going over how to be a kingdom man now and so it's been really fruitful uh, so that's Thursday night and then Saturday before our our meetings um, at night we'll have uh, another chapel um, and that's normally depending on what city we're, city we're in we uh, have an appointed guy we like to get you know some of the so if we go to New York we kind of want to get like guys like that we know so like we have a relationship with Carl Lance so we tried we tried to get uh, Matt Chandler last week when we were in Dallas but he was in New York unfortunately a lot of guys were bummed about that mm-hmm. um, and then, so that's Saturday and then after our meeting Saturday night that's really like our our uh, uh, discipleship time and so we go into one of the guys hotel rooms um, and so we have like a, a appointed scripture that we're reading for the week and so right now we're in first corinthians so we'll we'll do uh last saturday night we did corinthians first corinthians one and two um that's really like where we've seen the most growth that's really where we've seen like guys you know really commit their lives to the lord and um and ask questions because it's it's a player run deal um and you we just go in there read read those two uh chapters so we have content to talk over if no one has any questions or anything else they want to talk about um and you know that's where we're you know laying hands on people and um, praying for people and uh, just kind of you know growing uh, as a group. And so that, that's what a normally normally normal week looks like. Wow, how many guys are in in a room like that in a hotel room at one time on a Saturday night? Like, what's it? What's the highest you've seen in terms of an attendance like that? Like twenty, twenty five guys. We uh, well, you're in a hotel room, uh, so you got <laughs> you know you got every. Every inch of the bed is covered up. Every every you know inch of the wall is covered up because guys are sitting down um, on the walls. You got to turn the AC down to like sixty so that people aren't sweating in there because <laughs> you're definitely over capacity. Uh, but I would say you know 50, 10, 15, 12, something like that uh, yeah. on on, a, on an average night. Um, and, and like I said, that's really cool because like the lot a lot of the older, more spiritually mature guys are able to, you know, lead and just be open about, you know, some of the things that they're going through, some of the things that they've seen. Um, and then also the younger guys, you know, in the group can ask a ton of questions too. So that's, that's definitely been the most beneficial, but it's cool. Like I said, we do a bunch of different things. And so that if you can't make it on Monday, you know, you can be 
be there Thursday, or if you can't make it Thursday, you can be there Saturday. That's so awesome. Now, I want to go back to last year, 2016, where a lot of this began, because there was a moment when you were a part of a group of players being baptized at the Eagles facility. We, mm-hmm. I've heard Pastor Ted talk about this on our podcast back in March that we taped and explain that moment, but I want to ask it from your perspective on, on how it came together and then advancing that even to this year in a moment where Marcus Johnson was baptized at the team hotel in Charlotte. So let's start with 2016 first and how that moment came together and the guys getting baptized. Yeah, uh, I just felt, uh, you know, I felt in my spirit, a couple of the guys felt the same same way that we've been getting unbelievable teaching. You know, Ted's been crushing it. Um, the Lord's really moving through the locker room. Um, but we don't really have an opportunity to go to church on Sunday, so there really is no invitation for anybody to get baptized. And I just felt like a lot of the guys who were either had just accepted Christ or, you know, were growing in their faith, um, needed, just needed the opportunity. You know, I had no clue if anybody, anybody was going to say yes or no, but I mean, least we could do is offer it up to people. Um, and I remember, you know, speaking with Ted about that and, uh, um, and he said, sure, why not? And so the next week we started a two week series on what baptism is um, and why people get baptized. And uh, after the two weeks was over, uh, before we prayed it out, Ted said, would anybody like to get baptized? And I remember two guys, I want to say it was Jordan Hicks and, uh, Kamu, uh, raised their hand and said, yeah, we, we want to get baptized. So we planned it for the next time we got together, which was the following Thursday. Um, we were like, where are we going to do it? And I was like, bro, we're here at the facility. They got two massive pools in the back that no one, no one uses during the season. They all, everybody uses it during training camp. Um, and so let's go do it there. And so everybody was like, yeah, cool. Let's go do it. And so we did it. Uh, Jordan Kamu got baptized and Ted was, Ted asked, cause there was a bunch of guys, a lot of the believers on the team were there just to support them a couple guys who you know were on the fence were there you know just watching and seeing what was going on and uh ted asked after he baptized jordan and kamu does anybody else want to get baptized and i think three more guys you know stepped in and um and got baptized on that day so it was really an unbelievable moment um something that you know is something that you dream of uh you know from a spiritual side of things on a team and so it was really cool to see those guys take um a step of faith and doing that and then also marcus Johnson, uh, Marcus Johnson wanted to get baptized uh, on our Thursday night game this year. We were in Carolina, and I was like, Marcus, you know you can wait till tomorrow and do it, you know, when we're at home at the <laughs> facility like like everybody else. And he's like, no, I want to do it now. I'm like, All right. It's cool. Uh, and that was really cool because uh, we had uh, Mac Brock. He was he used to lead worship for Elevation Worship. So he was there um, just hanging out with us and kicking it with us. And we have had Steve Smith. Uh, senior there because he was good friends with Tori. So there's two guys, you know, who had nothing to do with the football team, but they were there supporting Marcus and uh, another great moment, you know, something that were that was really cool to be a part of. Are you getting, I think it's great, first of all, it's so cool, but are you getting kind of like, I don't know, questions or just f- kickback from some others? Like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? Why is this being done in this place? And And then having opportunities to really share your faith and tell people why. For sure. Yeah. And that that's kind, of, kind of goes back to uh, what I was saying earlier. We just have a bunch of guys saying yes to what the Lord has called you know us to do in, in this season that we're in. And so with with saying yes, you know, a lot of uh, unconventional things, you know, are happening. A lot of unconventional conversations are happening. And the guys are getting baptized at work, you know, where that rarely, rarely ever happens, um, especially in the NFL. And so there's definitely a ton of questions being asked. Uh, and it's weird, man. Like, Never before has the Lord been talked about in the media as much as it is now. And so, like, I, I remember a bunch of guys who have came up to me who have done articles about, you know, our faith and, and what's going on in the locker room and say that was the, that was the biggest 
that was the most read article of our, of the year last year for our newspaper. And we want to do more stories on that. And like, man, things like that just kind of blow you away, you know, and it's nothing, nothing but God. It's obvious that it's nothing but God and God's truly, you know, moving um, in the city, which is, you know, the end goal of all of this. Yeah. And in a culture that tries to shy away from those kind of stories, trust me, I know having worked at ESPN for so many years, when we did that story, ESPN.com did that story. I still say we, because I worked there for so long. (laughs) ESPN did that story last year. That was one of the most read stories that ESPN put out especially on our social media platforms. And I started to think, man, there is an appetite for this. I don't know why it's so frowned upon in so many circles to tell stories like this. I mean, they're real stories that people can relate to. And we've seen, obviously, now with Sports Spectrum, that this has really found a place and a niche for people to be able to tell these stories. For sure. And, and bro, you're you're doing a great job, by the way. uh, I'm all over your social media stuff, man. I I see it every single day. And just really, it's really cool to see, you know, the stuff that, and the movement, you know, that you've been able to start and, um, you know, just constantly praying for you. Sorry, I know we're on a podcast, but I just felt like I needed to say that. I appreciate yeah. that. And and to be honest with you, it's the same thing that you just said with your teammates. I'm just trying to say yes. You know, just trying to say yeah. yes to the Lord and whatever he leads and moves and and brings us to, we're just trying to say yes to. And uh, that's what we're doing with this podcast. So I appreciate your time. I have a couple more questions here I want to get to real quick. And one of them is is simply about player protests. Now, I don't want to go into details on all these other things about we could spend two hours on this topic, but you know, our church recently held a forum on race and faith and culture in our church and talked about some real issues, primarily because we saw a division not just in our country, but you know, inside the body of Christ. So, I just want to ask you, as far as coming from a perspective of a believer, why have these protests and kneelings been so divisive? You know, in in within the body of Christ, not just in the world, in your opinion, why? Yeah, I mean, I would say the biggest, the number one problem, you know, not even in the body of Christ, but outside of the body of Christ as well, is misunderstanding. You know, people don't understand why some of these guys are doing what they're doing. And from from, from two areas, because it's falsely reported, you know, through the media, uh, but then also from what they grew up in a different culture where they might have never experienced, you know, any of the things that um, are being protested. And so one of the things, you know, one of the guys that I applaud, uh, and and no one no one would really know this, uh, but Chris Maragos, he you know grew up in Wisconsin, um, had no clue you know about the injustice that black people face daily, but he you know sought out answers and sought out you know had tons of questions like man this is horrible I had no clue the severity of what's going on, um, but like guys like that you know who take time and try to truly invest into what's going on and trying to really understand. Uh, the truth behind, you know, all the problems before, you know, he makes an, uh, an opinion or makes a judgment um, or, or we need more of those you know types of people. So I would definitely say the misunderstanding um, uh, in the media, you know, has definitely blown it way out of proportion. Should we respond? I think you need to find, you need to go to the person that you have a problem with and you need to, you know, need to get into their heart and see where their heart is, you know, with it. I think that um, if you aren't able to do that, then go to somebody else who supports, you know, the person who's protesting and just really try to understand um, with an open mind, you know, and not have any pre uh, assumed, you know, motions or assumptions or whatever it may be. Um, and just be open to hearing, you know, what the person is talking about. 
on what the, the problem uh, and what's being protested. Um, and then after that, you know, then you can make your judgment and you can, you know, do what you want, but at least give the person a time of day to, uh, or the respect to figure out what's really going on and why, they, why there's a problem. Let's end it with a couple more questions here, Trey. First of all, I want to ask you about your quarterback, and we really haven't talked about Carson much, but obviously he's having an MVP-type season. He's the leader now in your guy's locker room, but he's also very unashamed about his faith, has started the AO1 campaign and the audience of one uh, ministry that he has. It just give us a sense of, of what, it, what this guy is like as a player, as a person, being around him every day. Yeah, he's, uh, I mean, he's special. He truly is special. He's a guy, you know, who um, talks to talk, but also walks to walk. And uh, I mean, some of the things that he does on the field is just absolutely amazing. Um, there's been multiple times this year, you know, where he he's done something, and uh, we'll come off the field, and I'll look at you know one of my teammates and say that guy is really good. And uh, so it's just it's just been amazing some of the stuff he's able to do he's definitely the reason um or the biggest reason you know why we're successful and um, his maturity and his growth from year one to year two um is uh nothing short of spectacular and extremely extremely happy that i'm on his team and not having to play against him <laughs> i can see why all right final couple questions here on your faith so the first one i know you're involved in in a bunch of different charities and, and, and opportunities to serve and help others in the community to make the name of Jesus known. But right now for you, Trey, what's breaking your heart right now as a believer in Christ that, that you just feel led to, to, to help or to serve in a way with a cause or something? What's breaking your heart right now? Yeah, uh, I mean, easily the number one thing that my wife and I have felt called to um, in this season is to raise awareness for sex trafficking and the kids being sold into labor, child labor, being forced into labor, or you know, being forced to perform uh, sex acts with adults. Um, and so that's something that's always broken my heart, um, just for my, just because of the, my love for kids, and I, I feel like God has, uh, you know, raised that awareness in me, and also. Um, has given us, you know, really, really cool opportunities to partner with um, some organizations who are doing great work and, you know, leading breakthroughs um, in that realm of uh, of wickedness. Hmm. It's uh, it's one thing to see it and feel bad about it. It's another thing to act on it. So, yeah. well, what the, did I mean, you guys pro- do to the, act the, on it? Yeah, the problem the problem with sex trafficking is people don't think it happens here in America, and they think, oh. That's you know an, an African thing, or that's a uh, uh, Asia stuff happens in Asia, or you know wherever they don't think it happens here in America. And so we were able to partner with a, a nonprofit here in Philadelphia. It's a Children's Alliance, um, which is multiple. I think there's a couple hundred throughout America. Um, but they, I mean, last year they saw three thousand and forty-five kids in, in just Philadelphia. Like I'm not talking about New York or you know South Florida or anything like that. Um, so there's obviously a huge need. Um, and the Children's Alliance deals with physical and sexual abuse of children, but they also are starting to, you know, deal with sex trafficking. And so uh, just being able to partner with them, um, to be able to give to them, do some campaigns for them. But then also um, on the on the global scale, we've partnered with International Justice Mission. Um, and that's IJM. And so they do they do amazing work um, worldwide. And we were able I was able to go on a, on a trip with them this summer um, to the Dominican and just kind of see, you know, hands-on of what they actually do and just see the uh the difference that they're able to make just in the country in, in a short amount of time and uh they, man they're they're absolutely unbelievable some of the stories that i've heard and some of the things that i've been able to see and um just the influence that they have has, has been really really cool and, and both and uh ijm is a christian organization so they're not just 
putting the Band-Aid on a massive wound. Like, they're, they're going in and fixing it and truly, um, you know, doing the things to help people heal and then also, you know, solve the problem. Absolutely. Listen, this has been a great conversation. I don't do this with many interviews, but I'd like to ask you if you wouldn't mind closing closing this interview in prayer. Yeah, sure. It'd be great. Jesus, thank you for t- uh, today, Lord. Thank you for this time that Jason and I got to spend together, Lord. I pray um, over... Uh, sports spectrum lord i pray jesus over this podcast i pray um that it'll be fruitful lord i pray jesus that you will open up the hearts who um of the people who are listening lord that you um will move in their spirit lord i pray for um all the work that jason's doing lord i pray that you would just continue to um just be able to flow out of him lord that you uh will bless everything that he puts his hand on lord um and i pray jesus that um, you just continue to be with us and that you'll continue to strengthen us and that you will allow us to be bold um, in doing the work that you've called us to do. Um, we love you, Lord. and Thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. He is Trey Burton, the Philadelphia Eagles tight end, and it has been a pleasure, my friend, talking to you. Look forward to seeing the rest of this season play out and hopefully catching up with you at the very least. We'll see you at the Increase Conference next year. Sounds good, my man. I really appreciate it.